Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to the podcast today. We have a very dear friend with us, probably nearly 30 years working together in the things of God as worshipers together. Claren McQueen has been a worshiper probably all of his life. He's toured the nations with singing groups, and he worked and lived in Jerusalem for 12 years, leading worship, and he carries a powerful anointing in the Spirit. And he's going to share with us today uh, some things that the Lord has showed him about engaging in worship and intercession and equipping in worship and seeing the outpourings all the time in worship sessions. And the Lord has spoken to him about enjoy your life every moment. So, Claren, we're so happy to have you with us on this podcast. You are just such a dear friend to us. We've traveled together in the nations. We've sung together in Israel. We've sung together in lots of places. And <laughs> and most importantly, you have led worship in our conventions through many years. And you have a, a glory that it's not you. I know it's not you, but the glory comes. The glory of God comes when we worship together. So we're so happy that you're with us. Yeah. And I just want to add, you know, Claren is a was a highly trained musician, fine musician. That's right. With an anointing to match it. And you usually don't get that in one package. Yeah. It's usually one or the other. <laughs> well, <laughs> but he's got you. them both. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And he's paid a price for it. He certainly yeah. has. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with both of you and to have had four wonderful days of being in the glory of the presence of the Lord with both of you and all of the crowd and all of the people that were watching online is just awesome, yes, as it always is. We we just uh, had a glorious time in our Global Outpouring Convention 2021. And if you haven't seen the videos, you can go out on our YouTube channel or our Facebook page and enjoy those glory times of worship. You know, the, the Lord spoke to someone that Dutch Sheets shared on his Giving 15 some weeks ago, and the Lord said, if you will kiss me with your worship, I will kiss you with my presence. And I really believe that that's what we did in this uh, mm. in this convention. So, um, Claren, just give us a, a little bit of your impressions of, of what happened in the convention as far as the glory. Well, I, I think I have told you before, the thing that stood out to me when I was living in Israel and... Sister Gwen invited me to come to the first convention. Your first convention. Yes. Well, I was transfixed with the name to begin with. When I heard that there was an organization called the End Time Handmaidens and Servants, I thought, my goodness, what a name. I've got to know those people. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember when we came to the first convention, If you probably remember we'd come with a, a large group of people from... Uh, so many different nations that were involved with the Feast of Tabernacles, and we presented a taste of the Feast of Tabernacles. And yet I was staying some more days, and what impressed me was that for a large convention, I had never seen a convention where the leaders of the convention just allowed the Holy Spirit to do exactly what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I could look at the agenda of what was supposed to happen in the service, but I could see that Sister Gwen or anyone else, Papa Doran, anybody else that was in charge, when the Holy Spirit began to move, they just set that agenda aside mm -hmm. and thought, well, we'll get to that possibly. Or not. But <laughs> let's get to what the Holy Spirit wants exactly. to do. And it was actually, so that impressed me to begin with. But I, I think the time that I was so struck, we were in Washington, D.C., and uh, a speaker had led us into worship, Frank Amedia, I mm -hmm. think, 
let us into worship. But he, if I remember right, got on stage at 10 o'clock at night. Could be. And was talking about various things that the Lord had spoken to him and that the Lord had spoken about moving in worship and entering in the presence of God. And so we began to worship again. It must have been 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm and just continued to worship, and then the Lord began to move, and people were being healed. And I remember at it was in the wee hours. It must have been 1, one thirty, And I, even as a young person, was saying, this has been wonderful, but I am going to have to lay down. But when I left, there were still handmaidens and servants on their faces on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I just, as I was going up to my room, because I just couldn't physically last anymore, I was thinking, I love these people. <laughs> I want to hang out with them forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure we will. <laughs> and then you were back worshiping again at seven o'clock the next That's morning. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that has what has made, when you say you're contending for the outpouring, you're truly all the time contending for the outpouring. It's true. And worship. It's true. And you start with the personal outpouring. Yes. That's where it starts. Because you can become a carrier. You are a carrier. You don't even realize so much how much of a carrier you are. But you're changing the atmosphere everywhere you go when you're carrying the Holy Spirit. Yes. And when you when you are in his presence, in his glory, and walking in the Spirit— you don't even know what what kind of a warfare is going on around you just because just because you're carrying that bubble of the presence of God with you. Yes. Well, and, and leading worship at anything to do with the handmaidens and servants mm-hmm. is always a different experience because I think many times people go to a conference or go to meetings because they have heard a name and this person carries an anointing, and Mm -hmm. so I'm going to get something from the conference. Mm -hmm. But I think the handmaidens and servants, more than any group I've ever been associated with, comes to the conference prayed up and full. Right. They might come with difficulties in their life and things that they know that the Lord needs to guide them through, but they've come so full, and I've I've told many people that I know that at any event, whether it's in Argentina or in Africa or whatever, as the handmaidens and servants gather together, I think you could actually, nobody has phone books anymore, but if they still existed, you could sing the phone book. <laughs> And people would wind up in the glory because they're so set to, I'm going to worship God. I don't care what I have to do. I don't have to, I don't care how I have to contend. I'm going to get in the presence of God. That's why I came here. Yes, Mm. absolutely. You know, my perspective on that also is that every single believer has a personal anointing. Yes. And when you mix believers together, there's a synergy in the spirit that is more than your personal anointings combined. Yes. But when you have fasted 21 days or more, it significantly increases Mm. the volume of the anointing in your life because of the surrender. You know, you're, you're denying yourself. And it's in the denying of yourself as the Holy Spirit leads. Now, I, I have to, you know, make a disclaimer here that you can fast for 40 days just because you want to get more spiritual and all you'll wind up with is a religious spirit. Okay. But if God gives you an appointment to fast, to get into his presence, to get into the anointing, it will multiply the anointing in your life. So you get a group of people who have made that commitment, who have done the 21-day fast. They've committed themselves to God. They've dedicated their hearts to God. They've said, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I want to serve you. Uh, Here I am. Take me. I'm yours. Uh, That level of commitment and that level of putting self to the side increases that anointing. So you get the synergy of all of these people with that much bigger anointing that creates that atmosphere of you know, just it's more so. And I think it's it's key in that you decide 
you want anointing in order to do something with it. Yes. Yeah. Everybody good. that I have ever met that has that mindset, whether they were African or Israeli or Australian, whatever they're doing, maybe they're traveling around the world, maybe they're not. Maybe they've never been out of the city of Adelaide, but they've decided, here I am living in Adelaide, and I want to be the greatest servant that I can be. Mm -hmm. So then when you come into the presence of the Lord, you're worshiping him, but your vessel is open. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I had a vision years ago, and then I later learned that Sister Gwen had the same vision. Wow. That I saw a beautiful white vessel. I, I very seldom see things, but this thing I saw very clearly. And the vessel, I used to say it was made of alabaster, but it wasn't. It was some sort of heavenly material hmm. that glistened and sparkled and mm -hmm. was pure white. And it was turning in the air and it had a mouth at the top that was very wide. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is the vessel that I want you to be. Wow. Hmm. And I thought, oh, how wonderful. And then as it turned, I saw that at the bottom, it had an opening just as wide mm -hmm. as the opening at the top. Yes. Hmm. And you're shaking your head yes as I say that, but <laughs> I wasn't shaking my head yes. I was perplexed as a young person <laughs> saying, God, I don't get it. You want me to be that vessel, but that vessel can't contain anything. Mm -hmm. And God said, that's it. <laughs> that's what I want. I want to be able to pour through you so that everything you pour out is absolutely fresh. Mm -hmm. He said, I don't want you to be, I don't, I had always seen, I hadn't really verbalized it to myself, but I'd seen myself as a vessel for the Lord that would be filled up, as Ephesians says, filled up with the fullness of God, and then mm -hmm. out of that fullness, I'd pour out. Right. But of course, I wouldn't pour out everything because I'd want to keep some of the fullness right. for myself. Right. And the Lord was correcting me and saying, no, I don't, I don't want to fill you up and let you pour out. I want to pour out fresh from my glory, from my presence all the time. I want to pour out fresh healing. I want to pour out fresh wisdom. Mm -hmm. I want to pour out insight that you don't have. And then when you speak to people or you sing or you preach or you do whatever you do, it's going to be fresh for me. It won't be from you. You're just the vessel through which I pour. Yes. And then I later heard from Sister Gwen that she had the same vision except for her vessel was gold, which I, I thought was fitting that <laughs> she got a golden vessel. <laughs> the, the, the story I remember that she, she used to tell was was that she saw a rusty pipe, a bent pipe on the oh, on the ground, wow. that, that, that she saw this, this uh, a reservoir, she saw this reservoir of water on the top of an apartment building, and she saw this woman go to her tap and, and turn the faucet, and nothing came out. And then she saw that, that uh, there was no connection between the water source and the place where it was needed. And she saw this pipe. It was kind of beat up and bent a little and a little bit rusty lying on the ground. And she saw this angel uh, go down and take it and connect it so that the water would go from the reservoir into the apartment building. And then the, there was water for the lady in the, the kitchen. And she said, Lord, make me a pipe. Wow. So... Maybe not as glorious as your alabaster. I don't. I don't, I don't remember her her gold vessel story, but uh, she very well could have had one. Uh, but that's what she wanted to be was a pipe, and yeah. and mm -hmm. I've had the same prayer. I, that's that's my heart too. You know, uh, the the thing that's that's so important for us to get is it really has nothing to do with us. Now you were telling us before we started the podcast about uh, a word of the Lord that Mary Lois Little gave you uh, when we were we were in Israel. I'm not sure I was there that year in the in the choir, but Philip was, no doubt, and Mary Lois was, and you were part of the leadership in the choir and the music department at the ICEJ for the Feast of Tabernacles. Tell us about that experience and what she said to you. Well, I was blessed when the Lord moved me to Israel. Uh, I, unlike a lot of believers, really had never had a desire to go to Israel. Mm-hmm. 
And the Lord uh, spoke to me in 1981 and said, I'm going to do something different. And very long and wonderful story short, he uh, wound up giving me time in Israel in 1982 with the group that I was leading at the time called Epiphany and introduced me to so many things in Israel that I had not understood his idea of covenant and his faithfulness and then moved me to Israel in 1985 and I began to work with two congregations, an English-speaking church and the oldest Protestant church in the Middle East, Christ Church. And then they birthed, at the time that I was there, they birthed a Hebrew congregation, Kelat HaMashiach, which is Congregation of the Messiah in Hebrew. So it's the same name as Christ Church, mm-hmm. which now it's Kelat El Seyel Hartzion, which is a lot harder to say, but a beautiful <laughs> name that it's the Congregation of the Lamb on Zion. Mm. Wow, it's beautiful. beautiful. But we were experiencing wonderful revival in both those congregations. And then the Lord introduced me to the Christian embassy, and I began to work with them. And so I was just thrilled, and and the Lord was moving in marvelous ways. If you're familiar with the spiritual history of Israel, from the time of 1967, there was an outpouring. Mm-hmm. And Jewish people became, began to come to the Lord in numbers that nobody had experienced before, so that by the time I moved there in 1985, there were more Jewish people that had come to the Lord, come to faith in those few years than had come from the time of the Lord Jesus until 1967. Wow. It was amazing. Well, isn't that what he promised? That, yes. That when, I, when he brought the people back to the land, that yes. he would pour out, I'll sprinkle you. Yes. And I can tell you a story about that later. But we were experiencing this wonderful revival. And as part of what was happening, we were meeting together, preparing for the Feast of Tabernacles, and we had a prayer meeting. And those were often wonderful. And we had had a marvelous visitation of the presence of the Lord in this prayer meeting before we were going to rehearse all day. So we needed a marvelous <laughs> experience with the Lord. But at the end of that time, I was sitting on the piano bench. I'll, I can tell you exactly where I was sitting. And Mary Lois walked up to me and she said, I have a word for you. And she said, the Lord tells me he's going to exponentially increase the glory his glory that manifests when you lead worship. And he just wants you to know it doesn't have anything to do with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And from that time, the very next time I led worship, I did the same things. I wasn't playing different songs. I wasn't playing in a different way. But that happened and has continued to happen the glory falls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. That, that would have been in the early 90s, mm-hmm. and I've experienced that every single time I've led worship. And, you know, sometimes people in the congregation worshiping, I can watch some people are realizing what's happening. Some people are kind of folding their arms and <laughs> wondering what's happening. And yet the glory itself for those who will receive it, is just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know it has yeah. nothing to do with me. Yeah, That was such a kind thing of the Lord to tell you. Yes. So uh, how did that make you feel when, when, she, when she gave you that word? I Actually, when she gave me the word, I thought, well, okay, we'll know that's a word of the Lord if it happens. <laughs> and then when it happened, the very next time I led worship, and it it was indescribable. I mean, from people raising their hands and being blessed, I could see they were raising their hands, being blessed, and tears running down their cheeks. And and just shortly after that time, we were worshiping in in Christchurch, which has a wonderful echo. Oh, yes. Everything sounds good in that building. Yeah. They built it so well. But uh, a group of ladies had come in that had missed the service and they wanted to just worship for a little bit. 
This was on Sunday after the English meeting. And so I said, well, that's wonderful. I love to worship. And so we just, there were just a few of us in the room worshiping, kind of a no big deal thing. But as we worshiped, the manifest presence of God just came down and settled in the room. It was one of those times that I actually looked up and I I expected to see the ceiling physically open. Wow. It was just marvelous. And as we were singing, we all began to hear other voices in the air about 20 feet above us. Mm. And it wasn't like an echo. It was just added voices mm. that I can only describe as angelic singing. And I I watched the ladies that were worshiping with me as they looked up because we were all hearing the same thing at the same time. And I was so happy that they kept on worshiping. They didn't get involved in the miraculous aspect so we could actually worship together, Mm. heaven and earth Mm. coming together in that wonderful spot in Jerusalem that had been so prayed through for so many years. Yeah, It, It was... Life changing in realizing how much more there is. Wherever we are, there's always so much more. It's true. Mm. Absolutely true. You know, our God is so vast and he keeps on creating. So we're never going to get bored. Is that in Isaiah 40? Is that there's no searching his understanding? Yeah. Like, yes. You know, it's because. But it's, I want to try. I want to try. Yes. It's, <laughs> yes. It's so vast. Yeah. Well, and the rest of that scripture is his understanding, his wisdom is unfathomable, but he gives strength to the weary. Mm-hmm. And to those who lack might, he increases power. Yes. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Even though young men stumble and fall, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength like eagles. It's it's him that, it's like he spoke to me through that word through Mary Lois. It really has nothing to do with you. It's just as you mm-hmm. decide, I'm going to know as much as I can possibly know. He says, ooh, let me fill that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, what what you're saying now reminds me of uh, something that you shared a couple of years ago in the convention, two, three years ago, something about you were coming to the realization that you've been at this for quite a while, and a lot of people are are starting to retire that are friends of yours, and, and, you know, Lord, what what about this? And the Lord said something to you that that I think was so significant. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, he actually... Uh, that came, I was working in a congregation, wonderful congregation in South Florida, and the Lord told Nancy and I, sell your house, and I'm going to send you back out to the nations. Hmm. And I didn't say anything, but my thought was, did you notice how old I am? <laughs> and I kept hearing this word get ready, I'm sending you to the nations, get the house fixed up. We'd lost a few tiles in a hurricane, and he was saying you need to make sure that roof looks good and repaint, and, you know, the time is coming. And we ended up selling the house within a year. But I am in my heart, I'm not saying no to the Lord, but I am thinking I'm really very old for that. We'll know this is a word from the Lord if it really happens. But From that time that he gave me that word, every time I opened scripture, it was about somebody old. (laughs) I woke up, I I would open up to Moses in the later part of his life, or Abraham as he's waiting for Isaac and all of his exploits, or Elijah at the end of his days, his, you know, and finally I stopped reading in the Old Testament. I'm going to read in the New Testament. And it would be Peter talking about the faith of Abraham when, you know, I can't get away from it. (laughs) I finally said, okay, I get it. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Again, he was speaking about the nations. And I think probably what you remember is he said, you're not old, you're just trained. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's right. And you're you're not old compared to Moses anyway. 
you know, they, you, you've got a lot of years before you get to when he started in his ministry. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And it was shortly after that that he gave a word to Patricia King mm-hmm. about exploits for those who feel like they're too old to do exploits and don't sell yourself short because God says, I've forgotten exactly how it went, but I think it was 80 is the new 60. and mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so 60 is the new 40. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I, and, and I've experienced that as we've traveled. I have really been amazed at the strength that I have. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people would look at me and say, have looked at me and said, wow, aren't you tired of this? Don't you want to retire? And and the Lord told me you can forget about retirement. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. yeah. What's the point? I mean, we are here on this planet to accomplish something for God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to pass it on to the next generation. You know, we've we've walked with God. You know, all, all three of us in the room are, are pretty much lifers. Now, Philip kind of took a, a short, short <laughs> visit to the to the no, world, I, but <laughs> but not long, not long. Fell, fell off the highway. <laughs> <laughs> but not very long. And, and you've been, you know, you've been walking faithfully with the Lord for yeah, 40, 40 years, years. Over 40 years now, yeah. So... Um, yeah. You know, we've we have something that we can share to help the next generation climb on our shoulders. Yeah. And get them going. If people can learn from what we've learned, they yeah. don't have to learn it themselves. Yeah. It, you know, you can learn best by somebody else's mistakes. Yeah. Without having to or go successes. through them yourself. Or successes. Yeah. yeah. Here's here's how the success this success occurred because this person did this and this and this. Well, maybe it will happen if I will do that that mm-hmm. that you know yeah so that moment when god said that to you uh, about you're trained what were you thinking in that moment that totally the, changed the way i thought of myself actually yeah, yeah. cuz i really had been thinking you know if you live in america people talk to you about iras and what you've done for your retirement and there are all sorts of articles and magazines about what you have to do and what percentage of your and i you know i'm sure that that would be good except living by faith you never really know what percentage of your income it's you're going to be able to put away anyway uh but i was in that you know i was living in south florida so how many people are retired in South Florida? Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of, my mind was being skewed that way. And the Lord just flipped a switch. And I realized, you know, then I went back to Scripture. Nobody retires in Scripture. That's right. Yeah, ever. That's true. Right. Yeah. It's not even a question. It's true. And then the Lord later spoke to me a few years later and told me what I just said, that you can just forget about retirement because it's not going to happen, which I don't really want it to happen. No. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if if you get to live in Florida anyway, they, you know, there's there's sort of that uh, feel to sort of paradise with palm trees. And <laughs> well, so, I live in the real Florida though, with cows and plants and. You know, the I think the Florida that people think about of beaches and palm trees, it's a very lovely place, but things also have to run. So you can't spend your life on the beach with the palm trees. That's true. <laughs> and who would want to? I, 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 there's, there's, there's too much to be done for the kingdom. Yes, in, in the kingdom. That's right. That, that's in our Father's heart. And it's a matter of finding his heart. Hallelujah. So, so how did that moment change you? Well, it changed our trajectory, absolutely. Ah, trajectory. You know, we were, uh, the church we were in was in a great revival, awesome revival. We stopped, in fact, when the Lord moved me from Israel to back to America, he said, I'm moving you because I want you to work in this particular congregation because I'm going to pour out my spirit. And that church the pastor of that church, six months before I went there, had decided we're going to seek the face of God. And he wasn't seeking for revival. He wasn't seeking for more healings. He wasn't seeking for anything. Mm-hmm. He just was seeking the Lord. Yeah. So for Friday night, they would meet at 7 o'clock, 
and they would just worship and pray until they stopped. And normally they did that until early in the morning. Wow. And uh, by the time I got there, families were coming. They'd bring their kids in their jammies Mm. with blankets, and we had nice cushioned seats. So after a time, they'd put their little kids down on the seats, but some of the kids would stay up and worship until they fell asleep. Wow. Hmm. Can you imagine if you're nine or 12 or whatever, you know, mommy and daddy let you stay up and you're not watching some weird thing on the late movie. Right. You're worshiping God <laughs> yeah. until you yeah. fall asleep. So by the time I got there, they were just ready. And I got another word from the Lord, actually. I was there for three weeks. I moved there in January of 1997. Very difficult for me to leave Israel. My heart was really in Israel but I knew that I was in the footsteps of the Lord. And the third Sunday that I was there, the pastor was preaching, and he'd gotten to his second point. Mm-hmm. And in his second point of his sermon, slowly, 28 people began to walk down to the altar, weeping to rededicate or give their heart to the Lord for the first time. Wow. Wow. So he's still trying to finish his sermon. (laughs) And I'm sitting on the side for the piano watching this and thinking, what's going to happen now? And finally he turns to me and he says, I think we're going to have an altar call now. And I I thought, well, yes, I think you already have. (laughs) (laughs) So you can imagine at the end of that service, people are rejoicing and new people in the kingdom. And I hadn't seen 28 people come to the Lord at Mm -hmm. one time working in Israel Mm -hmm. the whole time I was there. I saw people coming, but not in those numbers. Amazing. And so I'm just so chuffed. I mean, I'm over the top. I'm so excited. And as I started to leave the church to go to lunch, I felt the Holy Spirit wanting to speak to me. He wanted me to go back and sit on the piano bench and wait for him to speak. So I did that. And as I sat down on the piano bench, I waited just a minute or two, and he said, I just want to remind you, this has nothing to do with you. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I thought, I knew that. And I really thought at the time that that was a word of reprimand. But what it was actually a word of comfort. Because what I did not expect, we had prayed for full revival in Israel for years. And Mm -hmm. we were getting wonderful tastes of it. Many things happened, people were healed, but the whole congregation wasn't swept away in revival. But in this congregation, they were so prayed up, they'd been praying for a year for more of God. And now here it was, it was Niagara Falls, right Uh in their congregation. So we ended up, they were a large church and they would invite speakers. We had to stop inviting speakers because the Holy Spirit would move in such a way we could not get them up on the platform. Glory to God. I mean, people in the floor, people worshiping God when they weren't being led in worship. We ended up putting two rows of colored duct tape on the carpet (laughs) in the front that were a body width apart. And as the elders, the elders and the pastors would pray for people, we had uh, an Afro-American elder, a Jewish elder, a Hispanic elder. Our congregation looked like South Florida. It, it looked like what a congregation could look like. It, wow. People from Jamaica, people from Haiti, people from Nicaragua, Venezuela, just everywhere. But as they prayed for people, people would usually be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and they'd wind up on the floor and we didn't pick them up. We let them soak. Mm -hmm. So then they would pray for the first line and then they'd go to the second line, pray for them. And by the time they went back to the first line, there'd be some (laughs) holes from people that came to. So the ushers would fill in those holes and that would go on. Our services went from two hours of wonderful to four and a half hours of, oh my goodness, I can't believe how wonderful. Mm. But what I didn't realize is that for some people, that was too much. Mm -hmm. It's true. Because they were, they had been praying for what God wanted, but when Mm -hmm. they actually got to what God wanted, amazingly enough, it took too long. 
Hmm. You know, we actually had husbands telling their wives, I can't get back to football. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, <laughs> Which my. amazed me. So what the Lord was telling me, you know, as some of the people left the congregation and as a leader in the church, I could have felt like, oh, this is my fault. I'm, I'm pressing this too far. I would have known really that it was not true. But the Lord from the get-go was saying, this is me. This is not you. Mm-hmm. It's not about the worship, the way you do it. It's about worshiping, but not the way you do it necessarily. It's not about how great the sermon is. It, it was the same thing as the Lord had spoken to me in Jerusalem some years before with Mary Lois. This is me sovereignly answering prayers. I want more of you. And he said, okay, if you really mean it, I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we had people coming from three counties, but it meant we didn't get to call the shots anymore. That's true. Yeah. We couldn't say we have service from 10 to 12. Right. Yeah. And we came to a compromise when we realized some of the hubbies and, and, you know, some people do have a schedule and they have to go. So just at the beginning of the service, we would tell people, if you feel like you need to leave, feel free anytime. Yeah. We're good with that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to feel bad. But meanwhile, as long as the presence of the Lord is here, I mean, one time Nancy went to a, a ladies' meeting in that congregation that started at 10 o'clock, and she didn't come home. As I recall, I, I was really worried about her. I was about to call and find out where she was, but the glory had come in such a way, I don't think she got home until 5.30 in the afternoon. Wow, (laughs) glory to God. And she said, I'm so sorry I couldn't call you, but the presence of the Lord was so strong and ladies were being healed, delivered, just overwhelmed in the glory. And frankly, I was being overwhelmed in the glory I'm sorry, honey, I didn't think about the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that reminds me, and it was in the Walsh Revival, and it was Evan Roberts showed up at a mainline denominational church, Church of England or whatever, and uh, nobody knew he was coming, and he had two ladies with him, and that wasn't proper traveling. You know, back then, this is early 1900s, and this is from the story I saw the Walsh Revival written by a musician who was a non-believer, got saved in the revival and became part of it, you know, in helping. And he describes the scene where the two ladies, they start singing their experience in God. And Evan Roberts just stood there and cried. And, you know, and the meeting started like 9.30 in the, mor- in the morning. It didn't dismiss till 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody left to use the restroom. or So if you can imagine... You know, you've had your morning coffee, whatever, your water, your orange juice, and not have to go to the bathroom for seven, eight hours. You you know that's a supernatural thing. (laughs) (laughs) When it takes over your whole body, the presence of God, you know, so, wow. And that's the goal. You know, we want we want that outpouring. That's what we're asking for. That's what we're contending for. It's what we're equipping for, to be engaged in it. Yeah. Now, the Lord spoke to you uh, fairly recently, I think something that I feel is a very significant uh, mindset that we need to we need to get this. Can, can you share that word with us, Clarence? Yes, I was sitting with him on my porch. I, I have come to the point that I usually ask the Lord, what's the most important thing for today? Hmm. And then at the end of my day, I ask him, what's the most important thing for me to remember? Mm-hmm. I'd like to remember everything, but if I don't, what's the one thing you want me to remember out of this day? So I was sitting on the porch in the morning, and he said, Son, I'm saying, enjoy your life. It's a wonder-filled life that I'm giving you. It has been and will be filled with my beauty, both in the physical and in the spiritual and in the eternal Enjoy your life, son. Enjoy it. Enjoy your time every moment. That which I've shared and given to you and to whosoever will receive from my hand and my kingdom is eternal. It's abundantly more. It will not fade or be changed. It's right now. 
life to the full that can overflow in peace and joy and into eternity. So don't wait until some land sells or something else happens. Don't think that all will be ready if a certain circumstance is changed, for already you're living my abundant eternal life. By your faith in my sacrifice, you've already passed from death into life. Therefore, it will not grow better or more real. You already have all my life. I've opened the doors to all my riches and glory, my joy, my own spirit to reveal all my thoughts, even my thoughts. So rise up, rejoice, fret not over the mere works of men men designed to thwart my plan. Rise up in peace. Rise up rejoicing in this life I've already given. Take my joy unspeakable. Rejoice and revel in my love everlastingly. My life in you, for you, and through you is gloriously uplifting you even now. You've passed out of death and into my eternal light forever. The life in eternity will be very different, but not better. You already have life to the full until it overflows. That's John 10, 10 he's quoting. Mm -hmm. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly to the full until it overflows. Beautiful. Enjoy it, my son. Enjoy it now. Take on my garment of praise. Don't wait, beloved, for any reason. Rise up now. Rejoice now. And I believe as you're listening to this podcast, the Lord is speaking that to you. Don't wait. Rise up now. Rejoice now. Don't be silent, but rise up for your Lord God, the Almighty, reigns in life forever. It's time to enjoy it. Don't wait for something else to happen, the Lord says. Enjoy it now. Don't wait for a circumstance to change. Don't even wait until you understand what's going on. That won't happen anyway. Enjoy it now. Enjoy it by faith. Take it by faith and revel in it. Yes. That's why Jesus came. The devil wants us to miss that. That's right. He wants us to get involved in circumstances that drag us down, even not terrible things, but things that just involve us in that which doesn't really even matter. Mm-hmm. But the Lord came so that you could revel in your life. And, you know, we we worry about politics. We worry about circumstances. We worry about is the physical world changing to the point that it's going to be disastrous to us. But, you know, when Jesus came, those people he was talking to in first century Israel, they had plenty of worries. Mm-hmm. And the Lord mm-hmm. was saying to them, but I came that you can have abundant life to the full till it overflows. I believe Jesus spent a whole lot more time smiling and laughing than he did telling people to worry about their sin even. Right. He said, don't worry about your sin. Just repent of it. Take my life and then have a great time. That's right. Just walk away from the old. It's time. It's time to move on. Yeah, it's just like the, the devil will do anything to keep you from God's presence. Yes. Yeah. It could be any little thing. Yeah. He's, he's constantly trying to create distractions to keep you from fulfilling your destiny, the destiny that God wrote in your book. He wrote a book for you of all the potential that you can be in him, that you can uh, experience in him all just just abundant fullness of life, fullness of joy. It comes from his presence. Being in his presence brings you into that life of joy. And and that's why worship is so important. You know, during this convention that we've that we just finished, the amazing, amazing presence of God was there. And we were focusing on the idea of, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it was, we would welcome our father and, and his whole entourage from heaven, the, the mm-hmm. angels and the saints and the men in white linen, the four living creatures and, and creatures we don't even know about, the, the redeemed and the, you know, all, all, all the folks from heaven, just, just to let that veil that's between heaven and earth get thinner and thinner so that we mm. could participate together yeah. in worship. Worship because when we're worshiping our Father, He's 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 present here, but He's also in heaven, and there's an interaction that we can have with that eternal life. Now we don't yeah. have to wait. It, it just like Clarence just said, that is a mindset that that is for us. And and let me ask you a question: What were you thinking when God gave you that? Actually, I was looking at. I was sitting on a, a porch in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that the way the house is built, it's high up in the trees. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. And I've always been taken with beauty. I've, I've loved art. Mm-hmm. And You're creative. To the mm-hmm. point that I really had to, as a young person, I really used to worship beauty. I didn't realize it until the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about it, but, you know, I, I would work to get the best view out of the hotel. I would work <laughs> to go to the lake, and, and even if it was inconvenient for other people, I would try to find the best spot where you could see the most beautiful mountains, and it, it was a thing with me. I, and, I remember one year, we were in South Africa, yeah, and yeah, we yeah. were in East London, and they had given us a room, Sharon and I. It was the presidential suite. And out the windows from, you can look west and south over the Indian Ocean. That's beautiful. The waves crashing in, the, then the coastline south. And, and you know, in the year before, you know, we were in there. And then the next year, I thought, you know, I think Clarence and Nancy would really like this. So we, we just, you know, said, well, how'd you like the, the presidential suite? And we'll, we'll take the other room, you know, just so you can enjoy the view. You know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> not realizing you're hard on. <laughs> <laughs> but we really wanted you to have, you know, we live in Florida, so we see beaches all the time. <laughs> and so we were thrilled for you to have, that was an amazing room. It was. An incredible yeah, room. The, the Indian Ocean is just, yeah. But what the Lord spoke to me as as I was looking at the beauty and he was talking to me about enjoying life, he he had actually spoken to me before and he said, this is years later from being a young man and really worshiping art and beauty and nature. And so I kind of have divorced myself from that as much as possible. But sometimes I just enjoy it so much. And one time I was asking the Lord, do I love this too much? Because if I do, you know, I don't want anything to get in the way of me and you. And he said, you know why you love this? Because I'm in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I spoke it into existence. Right. It's a part of me, mm-hmm. and you're a part of me. So you go together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's spoken since then to me several times, because I thank him. I mean, I don't know if those of you listening do this, but I think it's good to thank God when something wonderful happens. I do. For sure. But even when you just wake up in the morning and the sunrise is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. He created that sunrise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you just have a moment with your kids that's particularly wonderful, thank God for it. Yes. God creates so moment after moment after moment. He's constantly, I, I asked him the other morning, what's the most important thing for today? And he said, the most important thing for today is I'm in love with you. Oh, don't oh. forget, I'm in love with you. Mm, beautiful. That's I think beautiful. so awesome things, we, we get involved in circumstance and our schedules. And I, I, I think it's really a good thing to every morning say, God, what's the most important thing? Yeah. And since then, he's often said, the most important thing is still, I'm in love with you. Whatever wow. happens, whatever you have to go through, you know, when you and Phil met, your lives changed because somebody was in love with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Nancy and I 
finally realized that the Lord was putting us together, our lives so totally changed, and that happens to everyone. And we talk about being in love, but the greatest being in love is in love he chose us. Yes, it's true. Peter says, in his great love he chose us Mm -hmm. from before the beginning of time. We can rejoice because he was in love with us before we even knew what being in love was. Mm-hmm. We were this little baby making poop and spit. <laughs> and he was in love with us. <laughs> yes. We couldn't have even told what that meant. Right. But he was already overwhelmingly in love with us, pouring out his love from the heavens from before we were ever created in our mother's womb. If if you're listening to this and you're feeling like I'm left out, other people are loved, I'm not, that is not true. God is in love. I'm speaking to someone in particular. God is in love with you. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've accomplished or what you've not accomplished. The Lord is madly, recklessly, wonderfully, eternally in love with you to the point that he poured out his life for you. If it had only been you, he did it just for you. Yes, He did it for us all, but you're his creation, and if it had only been for you, he would have still done it. Believe that. Yes. Yes. It's the truth. And it'll change your life. Amen. Amen. And because it'll change your life, you'll be able to enjoy your life every moment. Yeah. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.